Welcome to the City Life Podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Well, uh, today I'm, uh, I'm continuing in our series of Finding Me. And um, truth is, here in the city, we have... Uh, we, you know, we live in an interesting culture. It's different than it is out in rural, rural America or rural Texas. You can just go about 30 miles out and you're in rural Texas. And, and, uh, but, but, but here, and even, even, it's even growing out there as well, we live in this overstimulating culture. Um, there's not a lot of clarity regarding what matters the most because so much is being thrown at us all. I mean, I would swear the things that matter the most are we have to go shopping and we have to eat at the best steakhouse in town. And, you know, all those things, they're, the culture screaming, you have to do this, this is what matters. And what's happening is we're being tugged at and pulled at on all sides and our bodies are being stretched. Any of you guys remember, when I was a kid, we had this, this, uh, this little cool guy, his name was Stretch Armstrong. And you could take Stretch Armstrong and you can pull him and stretch him and it was wonderful. And, and, and the truth is, every little boy, just like me, would get to a certain point. They'd play with stretch arms on so long, we're like, I've got to find out what's inside. And you cut them open. And of course, you ruin it. But, but I, I, I remember it so well, and I never got another stretch arm song after I destroyed them. Also, I would play with my G.I. Joes, and I would like to play real battle. And so I would make them shoot each other. And we, I, th- some of them got caught like in forts that burned up, and they melted. And I'm like, oh, well. And the, and the, but then I didn't get another G.I. Joe. I couldn't figure that one out. Don't ask me about my childhood. I, I I just, I had a good time. But you see, our culture, though, is busy. Um, And and as a result of that, we're seeing a lot of confusion. Confusion keeps people, regardless of the age, regardless of your experience, from really knowing who they are. And uh, our culture, it's not going to say, hey, you need spiritual training. The culture is not going to do that. So as a result, we get lured into... um, hollow experiences. In fact, we begin just to look for the experience to be something that's going to fill that empty place in us. And so we pursue the next big thing. And whether it's uh, hiking a big mountain or, or you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's something big that we've got to do. And, and then at the same time, we're trying to maintain the already shallow relationships that we have. And, uh, and then while you're trying to keep up with your news feed and you're trying to keep your Facebook profile propped up so you're looking good, all in this attempt to find yourself and it's noisy, and it's cluttered, and it's distracting, and you are like stretched Armstrong being pulled in a million different directions, and sometimes you just want to cut inside of you and see really what you're made of. And the truth is, we get tired from this overstimulation sometimes. And what happens when you're overstimulated, we, uh, we, we say, okay, I've got, to, I've got to cut something here because of the stress of the culture of today, and so we try to trim back. And, and one of the things that a lot of people will do is, you know, good, God-fearing people will think, well, I'm, I'm going to need to trim off uh, church. I just need to take time off from church, or I need to cut my Bible reading, or maybe I need to stop attending my Connect group. And, and I just want to be honest with you. I'm not trying to sell any of that. I don't, don't, don't sell. I'm just telling you. I just want to tell you the truth. I'm a pastor. I've been doing this. I've been living in a pastor's home for uh, all my life. And the truth is, is in all my years of pastoring, all my years of being raised in a pastor's home, I have never, ever, ever, ever seen when a person cuts those things out of their lives that their life becomes more simple or things become better for them. I have never seen it. Now, if you know of a person who, please t- share, share with me the story. Don't inundate my email box, but I seriously doubt I'm going to get an email from you. I'm telling you guys, it doesn't work. 
It defies the most basic of principles which we find in the scriptures, and that's what I'm all about. See, we're Bible-based and we're Jesus-focused, and, and, and I take the scriptures seriously. I love them. That's like at the beginning when we were saying that scripture about run to win. I, I, I mean that for me, I, I, I want to run to win because I want to do the things that are going to matter, not just to get me through the day, but I want to do things that are going to matter for eternity, which also means no sloppy living for me. So again today, I'm going to take you to these ancient scriptures that are highly relevant for today, and because they have outlasted every nation, they have outlasted every culture and every fad, because in the scriptures, in the word of God, we find truth and we find revelation and we, we can determine what we can really believe in, because when you apply that, you're going to realize, hey, I really can be a true winner in this life. And you can live in this culture and enjoy even the culture, but you don't have to let the culture dictate itself to you. That's why, again, I, I told you this last night, that's why I keep wearing this black wristband with me everywhere because you know what it reminds me? You can make it remind you of whatever. Uh, I mean, some of you may want to help it to remind you to exercise that. You know, for me, it's a reminder, though, that I'm going to stay in God's word because it's going to help me to run to win because it's about discipline. I'm going to do this right thing. It's a constant reminder to stick with the time-tested principles so I will know what to believe so that, so that the, 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 the pressure from the culture uh, won't try to redefine a win for me. Because I know what the definition of the win is, and I have a huge reward awaiting for me in eternity as I keep running this race. Yet, Still, I'd say one of the greatest challenges that I see that we face in our culture is that people don't really know who they are. This, this relentless searching for me i've got to find me and so we find ourselves as perpetual floaters and we're searching and we're searching and we're never really finding and a lot of times this goes back to a lack of strong family roots um, and we don't have those deep relationships that we can kind of call upon that are life-giving so the, the biggest deception is, is that, well, you're going to find yourself in travel experiences or, or you're just going to experience as many things as possible and, and receive notoriety or, or you're going to arrive at a certain level of education or, or you're going to get this certain occupational position and, and then you will find yourself. But guys, that doesn't work because I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you about believing in this, about how to gain stability and how to grow re roots and, and really how to go deep and to stop hopping around. Because life is not a cafeteria. Cafeterias are popular, that's fine, but if you keep going around and sampling every little thing, then you're just going to get fat and lazy. <laughs> and it doesn't work. You can't run to win. And believe me, believe me, believe me, you'll never find your way You'll never find really who you are if you're running around to the cafeterias trying to experience everything to discover what your favorite thing is because you'll never get it. Honestly, if you feel you don't know who you are, there is a lack of an anchor that's in your life. And I want to talk seriously about this because the truth is it's, it's probably not your fault, uh, yet it's also very common. It's this, this, uh, this issue of what I call fatherlessness and it manifests itself through a lot of various feelings and emotions. And uh, on a continual basis, if you feel any of these things, such as feeling insecure or feeling afraid, feeling, feeling anxious, apprehensive, hesitant, unsure, unconfident. I mean, do you hear yourself saying these words about yourself a lot? Do, do these words define you? 
See, these are actually feelings that drive us. They drive us when we don't know who we are or when we don't really understand our purpose. But, but I'm telling you guys, there is hope. Now, these, these feelings come from primarily issues of, a big topic here, of just fatherlessness. You might not be a literal orphan, but you might as well be because you feel estranged from your father. Some of you, you've been rejected by your family. In fact, a young man who's outside of this ministry spoke with this young man a couple of weeks ago, and he, he says, yes, he says, when I was a child, my dad constantly told me this line, thanks for being the son I never wanted. Emotional abuse and then physical abuse. You know, maybe your family is so messed up that there's no way you could ever really fit into much of anything. You, you don't, and maybe you don't even want to fit, fit into your family because that's such incredible dysfunction. You don't want it. But that sense of belonging and being a part of a family is really what every person needs. And, and know that there is a, a father who loves you and who cares about you. That actually causes you to have a really a, 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 a huge impact on your identity. You have to learn who you are. But when that anchor is missing, it can interfere with everything that you can try to do in life because insecurity will then tend to rule. That's why you feel anxious, afraid. You feel apprehensive. You feel hesitant. You feel unsure. You feel unconfident. And if that's the case, then I've got some answers for you. Maybe if I use the word papa or daddy or father, speaking of God and relating to God, for some of you that might be kind of painful and might give you a wrong perspective of God because you've experienced rejection and you've experienced abuse even at the hands of the father who was supposed to love you. It's because your father was simply a man who chose to live for himself and try to figure out his own misery but didn't know how to love. It's because you're Papa was never really there for you, or perhaps no matter how hard you tried, you never could please Daddy. You see, in the New Testament, Jesus, as well as the Apostle Paul, used this word to, to, uh, to define God the Father, and used this, it's, this term is called Abba, A-B-B-A. And, and uh, when I was in, back in the 70s, I remember there was a rock band by the name of that, but it has nothing to do with any of this. So if you're from the 70s, I'm not talking about that. But this is a description of God and Father. It's, it's the equivalent to our terms of Daddy or Papa. It's the picture of a tender-hearted, love-filled father who's reaching down to pick up his child and hug him. I tell you, that's a real father. That, that image of that right there just obliterates insecurity. It gives you an anchor of identity. For some of you, I see social media images that are out there of, of a lot of you fathers reaching out and holding and hugging and uh, your, your children and acting like real men, and I just love that. But maybe that's not the way it was for you and for your dad. And for many of you, possibly most of you can't even conceive of that image of you being lovingly held by your papa because you were done wrong. But here's the truth. If you focus on how you were done wrong in the past, you can't really focus on how you have been done right by Jesus. 
You know, my many years of pastoring, I, I've learned to see that those who manage to climb out of the emotional quicksand of a horrible past and those who just make the decision to intentionally stop cruel and destructive habits in their lives and, they, and, and, and refusing to go back and keep revisiting these hurtful events and situations from the past in their minds, these are the folks who will then recognize that they are really, truly adopted by God and they can leave that behind. And you embrace this soul-healing uh, habit of, of replaying in your mind a different story, the story that Jesus loves you, that Jesus cares about you. That's what we sing about, is that, is that Jesus is devoted to you, and he died to forgive you, and Jesus makes his home in your hearts, and Jesus makes your life beautiful as he shines through you. Some of you have already made that internal commitment to live... <sighs> As if your father never existed, just like, no, I'm not, not anymore. You're, you're even fatherless by choice, some of you, because you've been humiliated and rejected. Some of you have been determined to show your dad that, uh, that, that you can just simply make it without him. And a few of you, your dad isn't even alive, and you're still trying to prove something to him. But Jesus sacrificed way too much. And his victory is too great for you to be an insecure orphan. And there's hope, guys. You're adopted. You're in a healthy family. You, you have this perfect father. You can be secure. You can have identity. And if you choose, make the choice to let go of the hurt of your earthly father and become anchored in the perfect love of the eternal father, things will change. And if you're in Christ, you're in a new family. And it's not a perfect family, but it's healthy. And this family is anchored in a father who is perfect. Ancient Israel's King David, he was a poet. and He wrote these words. He described God's this way. He says, God is a father to the fatherless. God sets the lonely in families. That's even why we say around here, welcome home. We want you to feel at home here. This is your place. I think sometimes when we hear that we've been adopted by God, uh, we don't really let the depth of that sink in, but that's huge. In fact, one of my best friends growing up was adopted, and I learned a lot about that through him and how he, how he became victorious over that. I, I read something the other day that I found was really quite amazing, which makes this story come alive. Do you realize there are a few states in the United States now that have adoption laws and protections that are specifically designed for kids who have been adopted if their adoptive parent dies? You see, when a parent writes a will, later that parent can blot out or, or write out their, their biological child from their will. And that, that can happen. Anyone, you know, that can happen. Anyone. But, but in some states now, there are new laws that says, but if you're an adopted child, that child can never be written out of the will. <laughs> Think about this. The state actually gives more protection and more security to the adopted child. And that is a beautiful picture of what God does for us. That's incredible security, my friend. You're not an orphan. You're not abandoned. He's not going to write you out of the will because he got mad at you. You're not lonely. You're not. The Apostle John, uh, he was one of the closest men who worked with Jesus, part of his inner circle of disciples. He wrote these words. He says, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. 
children of God himself. I'm, ta- I'm telling you, incredible security, incredible identity. And if you've received Jesus and you believe in him, then you have the right to be a secure child of God. All you have to do is just begin to step out and exercise that right. Move into God's household. Live within the boundaries of God's household. Enjoy the benefits of God's family because it's worth it and your insecurity is going to go out the door. Not only is he your father, but you're also his child. In fact, we said this last week, and I want you to say it with me again. It says, I am a child of God, but I want you to say it with me. Come on, say that with me. I am a child of God. See, there's hope for us when we actually get this, because then we can live different, and we can believe for great things in our lives as children of God. Now, I want to show you the, the, the scripture for the series, because I'm going to pull out a couple of words here that mean a lot to me uh, today. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and to his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Okay, you're chosen by God. If I go back to that that previous uh, screen there, you look at the very top of that, it says that you're chosen to be a royal priesthood. Those are two words that I want to focus on today because, first of all, I want to talk about the royal thing. We've already talked about being chosen, but I want to talk about the royal part. Think of royalty. The, The palace is at your disposal. The king, your father, is going to make sure that you are well taken care of. I mean, he is assigned assigned personal bodyguard angels to watch over you, and that is pretty cool. See, God wants you to see him as not only the king of the land, the king of the world, but your dad, who is the king. And you're in his family. That's crazy amazing. Another thing is, you're, 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 you're... not just royalty, but you're a royal priesthood. Now, when we think of priests in our culture, we tend to think of a Catholic priest, and, and that's, a, that's really not what the Scripture is talking about there because, because they, they hadn't invented Catholic priests at that point, okay? The priest in the Old Testament was a person who was, who was the only person who would allow to, to, be, to actually go into God's presence and talk to God. That's really what a priest did, and the only person that could go in and, and make requests of God. Now, that is really the, one of the primary roles of the priest. So what this means is you now have this priestly access to God the same way the ancient priests did. That means you can walk right into God's presence anytime you desire. And, and you have total access to the king. You have total access to God. You've been adopted. You are a royal priesthood. So when you say you're a child of God, I'm telling you guys, you are making a huge statement. I am a child of God, and I'm pretty stinking happy about that. And, and understanding this now, you can start acting like royalty. You can act like a person who walks into God's presence and not live in the despair uh, of, of where you have been and be controlled by the, by the culture. Because, listen to this, who you are will be manifested through how you do what you do. See, who you are is not what you do. Who you are is manifested in how you do what you do. 
See, this is where our purpose and our calling comes into play. God instilled purpose in every one of us. Now, uh, recently I did something fun with staff. We, uh, we took a couple days and, and we, we spent time, we went through strength finders. And, and I, I like to do this uh, uh, every, you know, every year or so. We'll do a different one of these things. But, but we went through strength finders. We took the strength finders test. And, and it was fun because we, got, we actually had this, we, we had revelation insight into each other. And, and you just see how the working relationships began to work almost immediately better because we understand, hey, there are strengths we can lean into. But, but here's one thing that I found very interesting. And, and I had my profile, and, and Preston has his profile. And Preston is one of my sons. But Preston, as one of my sons, actually takes on uh, some of my characteristics in his strengths. And there, there are like 30, I don't know, 30, however many, 39 or 38, 33 strengths that are in the strengths finder and for you to have the same you know, actually he has three of the same that are in his top five that i have and why it's because it's in his dna he, he's just, he is the son of tim and in fact preston i want you to come up here in fact grab the little papers there bring those up with up there with me thank you thank you now now i want to i want you to just get over here and stand right by here by me all right all right first of all you we can tell you i can just tell you real quick he is my son uh, what you don't know is that is that I have glasses on, except they're inside my eyes right now. They're, they're using my contacts right now. He's not, but he is very much my son. Now, one of the things about him that we found out there are there are you know take a look at my strengths finder profile. First of all, mine says I'm futuristic, tr- strategic, maximizer, activator, self-assurance. So those are my top five. Now take a look at Preston's. Preston is competition, futuristic, self-assurance, relator, and strategic. Now, if you go back between mine and his, all of a sudden you find something really, really interesting. We share three of the same, futuristic, strategic, and self-assurance. Futuristic, okay? That's a big one. Now, look, for me, it's number one. Zap over to his, and he, that's number two for you. Okay, so that's, that's a biggie. That's a biggie, big, really up high for us. Here's, here's what it is. It says, it says, you are the kind of person who loves to peer over the horizon. The future fascinates you, doesn't it? It fascinates you. <laughs> As if your future were projected on a wall, you dream about it, and you see in detail what the future might hold for you, right? And, and, and this detailed picture keeps pulling you forward into tomorrow. That just keeps taking you there. You're a dreamer who sees visions of, of things that, that are yet to happen, and you cherish these dreams, and you hold them in your heart. And, and when the present proves too frustrating, or you get frustrated with people, or whatever, you just start looking into the future, and all of a sudden, you're happy again. You just kind of move off into that future world, all right? And, and you conjure up these visions of the future, and it energizes you, right? Yeah. It does. Okay, okay. Your visions of the future also energize other people as well, because that's part of what, what they, they say in Strengths Finders. And you paint pictures for people's future, and you make pictures of the future as vivid as possible. Now, gra- grab a mic. Run over there and grab a mic. <laughs> Just one that works. Just run over there and grab one that works. And, uh, and I want you to you're thinking of this, do you see any of these characteristics in me? Yeah. Yeah. In, in what way do you see them in me? Oh my gosh, you live in the freaking future. Uh-huh. I, I walk to talk to you, and sometimes I'm talking to you about what's going on right now, and I said, Dad, are you listening? He's like, no, I'm thinking about the future. So. I, actually, that's quite true. Yes. So in order to relate with that, I altered to live in the future so that way you see, but I don't believe that. I don't believe that. No, 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 no. 
Because when you were a little kid, you'd always talk about what's going to happen when you're a man and all this, these crazy things are going to happen way out there. And you're like, I'm like, okay, rain back here. Okay, you're, you're like two right now. <laughs> Let's not worry about the future. But yeah. you would start envisioning the future right. ever since you. Yeah, so that's you. That's you. But you know what God did? God, you see, as your father, that's in me, but God put it in you as well. Mm-hmm. But in that same way, God has these certain traits of his character that he puts into us. And it's crazy, stinking, amazing. Because just like futuristic, and we can go through self-assurance, and we can go through strategic as well, those others. We're not going to take the time to do that. But, but those, are the, those are interesting ones that we share. And here's another thing that we found as we began talking through the staff about this, is that the first guy that, well, Preston was actually the first staff member of the church before me. <laughs> he, he worked here before me. But, but um, that was because I was working another job when the church was getting established. So Preston, you, so you were the first, and I came along. And, and then, then we, we brought Jordan on board. And do you realize that Jordan actually shares futuristic and strategic right along with us? So it's like the same kind of a thing that, that just was pulled into the DNA of the church. As we were assessing this, we thought, you know what? Maybe that's why even our congregation as a whole, we talk about the future. We talk about what God's going to do out there. We talk about strategy and how we can make those things happen in our lives because we're wired that way. Now, understand this. That wiring that God has put into us is how we actually fulfill our purpose. But God's the one who did it. And in the same way, God has wired us through Him. All of His attributes, not just this stuff, but His attributes are in us. And then when we get this wiring and God's attributes together, there can be explosive things that happen in our lives. Hey, thank you, Preston. You can, you can go. It, it's fun having you as a son. Now, it, listen, we can talk about strings finders, and I like all that kind of stuff, but it's not who you are. That doesn't tell you who you are. You can't go through those five things of this is who Tim is because it's not. That just tells a little bit about how I'm wired. See, that doesn't define me. We talked last week about what we're defined by. It doesn't define me. It just enables me to act with understanding of my unique wiring and how my unique wiring might impact other people. Why? So I can stink and maximize my purpose. That's really what I want to do. How do you discover that purpose, though? Well, I had someone this the other day and basically got this, this answer, and it was my favorite answer because I'd done some research and stuff on it. I just sat down and asked a person, this person just, boop, basically said this. If you want to discover your purpose, you need to dream. Dream. Take the limits off of everything. What would you do if there were no limits? What would you do if there were no financial limits? Dream. Dream. What would you do if there were no time limits? What, what would you do if there were no educational limits or, or if there were no uh, uh, emotional limits even for you? What would you do? And as you dream about those things, and the truth is you do dream about those things, your purpose is found somewhere in that. Now, I know you might be dreaming of, oh, I would go and set a colony up on Pluto. Well, that's a nice dream. <laughs> but your purpose will be found somewhere in that. You know, maybe you're designed to build aircraft, (laughs) those types of things. I don't know. But God has wired you like this and put those dreams in there, those crazy dreams that really most times can't be accomplished to drive you into your purpose. And your purpose is already inside of you. And it may or may not have anything to do with your occupation. 
Think about it. Jesus was a carpenter. Yet his purpose was to give his life for humanity. So way too often we get this confusion of uh, saying, well, I have to have my purpose in my career. And most of the time, I'm telling you, mo- the vast majority of the time, your purpose and your job are not the same. And there's, there's also this false belief that if you're going to find your purpose, then you have to experience everything. You have to try all the different religions and travel around the world, hop to 20 different jobs to find that. But all this does is create confusion and frustration. But when you find that deep desire and that deep purpose and it begins to manifest itself through you, you're going to find that your purpose operates regardless of your occupation, regardless of your position in life. It begins to flow. Why? Why? It's because God put that in you and God lives in you. This is, this is critical here. That's why we got to understand who we are before we even start talking about our purpose. See, God lives in you, so regardless of your occupation, regardless of your position in life, God is going to work through you. Paul said this, he says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Who, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. So you are chosen by God to be a place where He lives and your purpose in life flows from what his spirit has already planted in you and in one way or another your purpose is going to help manifest jesus to the world because that's what's important to god that's what's important to god and so it's going to flow through you just like the things that are important to me will flow through my family as well because we're from the same family i'm the dad and so those purposes they they flow through us but God is in us, so we can't help but manifesting Jesus to the world. See, guys, this is, we, we, we absolutely must make Jesus known through our purpose. Somehow, absolutely. Because you're chosen by God, you're an adopted child, He lives in you, and whatever your purpose is, will in one way or another serve God's purpose. Everyone who's listening to me today, God wants to work through you to deliver people from torment and from sufferings. We have authority and we have power. We are God's agents. We act on God's behalf regardless of our occupation and regardless of our position always. That's why I love what the scriptures say about, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're, you're a slave or whether you're free or whether you're a man or whether you're a woman or whether you're old or whether you're young. It doesn't matter. The book in the Old Testament says in the last days, God will speak through and work through anyone regardless of, of their ethnicity, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender, regardless of their, their place in life or their social economic standing. That's what's amazing. We are all God's agents. We just, we just need to own it. Come on, I'm just saying you need to own it. Really, you need to say this, is I am God's agent in whatever occupation it is or whatever career. I am God's agent in Fort Worth. I'm God's agent in real estate. I'm, I'm God's agent in health care. I'm God's agent in government. I'm God's agent in construction. I'm God's agent in manufacturing. Maybe I'm God's agent in the coffee business. God's agent in equipment sales. You are God's agent the occupation doesn't matter. That's just, that's just where you are. But you're God's agent and your purpose flows through that right there. 
those dreams, those things that are in you, they begin to flow out of you regardless. It's time we stop getting hung up on what we do and understand that what God wants to do is work through us. It's how we do what we do. Here's the truth. This is why so many people are living unfulfilled with their purpose. It's because they never truly fulfilled their authentic purpose because they didn't believe they could make Jesus known through whatever they role, role they were in their life. So here's my ch- question to you. What are you doing? What are you doing with your life when you leave here? Are you inviting people to church? Are you conveying the spirit of Jesus in your business dealings? Are you weaving Jesus into your interactions and your conversations? Are you weaving him into Fort Worth and healthcare and coffee and construction and equipment sales and manufacturing? Does your Sunday experience impact your Monday purpose? Because it not only should, but it must. That's where we find fulfillment, guys. That's where we find fulfillment. I want you to think hard. Now, this is where you have to be self, you have to be introspective. You have to, I can't see this on the outside. You have to ask yourself, am I really God's agent? How can I make changes, and how can I walk in new boldness, understanding now who I am? Two big things. I am a child of God, and I am God's agent. I want you to say those two lines with me. I am a child of God, and I am God's agent. That's who you are. You can live in that, and you can find so much satisfaction and let go of the hurt and the pain that keeps you hopping and jumping and running from here to there, trying to find the satisfaction, trying to find that empty place to be filled, because God's already said, I'm filling it right here and now. Change your belief. Believe that God lives in you. You're His, and you are His agent. You might even be a secret agent in this world. How cool is that? I would like for there to be no movement at this time. Leaders, I'd like for you to pray because this is the most important part of today. I want to pray for everyone in this room, first of all. God, I I pray for a revelation of identity. No more lost, no more jumping around trying to find that perfect situation or that perfect setting because of anxiety is driving us. God, instead, to understand I'm a child of God and I am who I am who I am and I am secure. God, I let that be over every person today. God, if you need that, just receive that, guys. Also, God, I pray for there to be revelation of purpose in everyone's heart. God, help us to understand it and know that we are agents of yours. Regardless of what we do, it's how we do what we do. Help us to know how to make our identity and our purpose work together to make you known, Jesus Because, God, we're going to run to win. And there's not going to be any sloppy living for us, God. God, we're going to do what is right and effective. We're going to do our very, very best at it. As you continue to pray, maybe there are some of you who are here and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe even over the course of your life, you've drifted from God and and you're you're far from Him right now. Um, 
Some of you in this room, you might be in a place where you know it's time for you to embrace a new beginning, a new start, and, and you want to receive that God-given purpose, that God-given identity from God. And as you're praying right now, as you're looking into your heart, I want to ask you this question. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to receive Jesus Christ into your life? If you'd like to be included in this closing prayer and surrender your life completely to Jesus, I'm just going to ask that you simply raise your hand at the count of three and I will connect my faith with you and pray with you. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand for me. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Put your hands down. Okay, I want everyone in the room to stand. Come on, everybody stand. If you raised your hand, I want you, along with everybody else in this room, to pray these words with me, and I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. Come on, pray these words with me, everyone. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past, and I embrace the identity and the purpose that you have for me. Thank you for new hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.